G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. It's great to have you along with us. It is the Tuesday edition of 2020, Life, Culture and Current Events. Well, today a big topic to talk about and a big guest to introduce. Singer-songwriter Dennis Jernigan has been making Christian music for decades. He's been recording with some of the biggest name acts like Natalie Grant and Australia's own Rebecca St James. He's also known for another very pointed and controversial reason. He has a past as a homosexual who openly shares his story. Now, you can be a part of our conversation today and potentially a controversial conversation. Invite you to be a part of it. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts on what we're calling freedom from homosexuality. Uh, You may have your own story to tell. You're welcome to call us and be a part of our conversation today. How do you, as a Christian believer, hold to a biblical standard of truth about sexuality and yet have a Christian compassion towards people who may be accused of falling short of those ideals? Here's the talkback line number 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to have your say today. Let's introduce our special guest for the hour, Dennis Jernigan. Hello, Dennis. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. I'm so honoured to be a part of your show. Dennis, you are in Australia, hailing from the United States. Home for you is in Oklahoma. And uh, your testimony goes back a long time. Uh, If I give your age now, you're 56 years of age. Uh, You've had a very long recording history with your Christian recordings. And, of course, uh, I think uh, you were saying somewhere in the vicinity of 40 to 50 albums that you have released over the years. Uh, Let's Before we start getting into some of the controversial things that that you uh, often like to talk about, let's talk about your uh, recording career. Tell us where you started recording Christian songs. Well, I started recording, honestly, back in the late 1980s. I, uh, coming out of my, the lifestyle that I came out of and coming into a marriage with a woman and just God just doing miraculous things in my life, I, I didn't have any songs. I didn't know any songs that really addressed the issues I was dealing with, so I just began to write my own. And I didn't have money to, to record an album, so I just bought, I saved my money, bought a $400 little four-track cassette recording system and recorded a little album of, I believe, 15 songs and just started making it available to my friends. And before I knew it, people all over the place were asking for copies. So within the first year, we sold 60,000 copies of a little terribly produced recording uh, just because I believe it struck a nerve with so many people. Um, and then before I knew it, uh, I had several different uh, Christian recording and publishing companies wanting me to sign deals with them. And I kept telling them no because I wanted to be a husband and father first. I didn't want to go on the road. And after a year of putting them off, 
I had a company say, well, you know what, if you will just come up with your own contract, what you are willing to do, then we'll sign it and the rest will be history. So I signed with Word Records way back in 19, I believe, 91 or 92, and was with them for 17 years. And they sent my music around the world without me really having to tour ever. Because I, honestly, I didn't want my children to need a ministry like mine someday. So that meant I needed to stay home a majority of the time. But again, God got saw fit to send my music around the world. In fact, one of my first big songs that's still sung all over the world was recorded by some little church here in Australia called Hillsong. <laughs> but back in 1995, I believe, they recorded my song, Thank You, Lord, with Darlene Check. And then before I knew it, I had other songs being sung all over the world in different languages, and people didn't necessarily know me or that I had written them, but they certainly were using them in their worship time. So that, in a nutshell, is how my recording career began. And Dennis, there's a new chapter now, too, because there's been a couple from California who wanted to turn your testimony into a documentary, and the end result of that, of course, is a documentary film called Sing Over Me. Uh, Tell us about that film. Well, the film, honestly, is just a very raw, uh, very well-produced depiction of my story. I, in fact, we went back to my home where I grew up, uh, the farm where I grew up, uh, went to the little town where I grew up, and just I told my story in the places where so many of the things occurred in my life that brought me to that place. And the whole reason for the, the documentary was not just to get my story out there, but because I remembered being a kid trapped in... Uh, a homosexual identity and thinking that's all there was for me and not wanting to stay there that I never heard anyone say that I could be free and all I ever heard honestly from the pulpit was that homosexuals go straight to hell and so that therefore I felt like I had no hope and in a, in a nutshell the reason we tell the story in documentary form is so people can see this is my particular story this is what God did for me. This is how he expressed his love to me. And, and you know what? If he can do this for Dennis Jernigan, he can do this for anybody. And in addition to the, the film, we, I went ahead and wrote my autobiography because I assumed, and rightly so, now that I've done it, that once the documentary began to make its way through the world, then people would have even more questions. So I wrote the book to help hopefully answer more questions for people that were raised by the film. Dennis, I want to take you back to your conversion experience, your conversion to Christianity at a second chapter of Acts concert. And just for listeners who are listening into our conversation now, I want to be able to also explore areas of your story because you've been married to a woman for 27 years and you have nine children. And your story is really one of now freedom from homosexuality. Take us back to your conversion experience because we're going back some decades, aren't we? Yes, we are. (laughs) And I need to update my biography because um, my wife and I just celebrated our 31st year of marriage. (laughs) Okay. My my detail might be a few years out. That's okay. Well, you know, I had struggled my whole life, even from the time I was a little boy. I felt so different from other little boys. And just jumping way ahead in the story, I became so desperate through a series of circumstances, just devastating circumstances in my life, that I had actually given up on God and uh, actually tried to take my own life at one point uh, just because I was so miserable. 
the night I tried to take my life was uh, one of the, it was 1980 that, I, that that took place. And I, re- I remember turning the gas on in my little apartment where I lived, turning on the heating stove. I did not light the flame and I just lied down, laid down on the floor because I could not go on with this life. And after a while, this voice comes into my head, why, you know, are you prepared for this, Dennis? Are you ready for eternity? Do you know what waits for you out there? And I could not answer that question. So I get up, turn off the gas because I was just so afraid of, of dying at that moment that I just made this statement to myself, this is just the way I was born. I'm going to stop fighting it and I'm going to embrace it. So I began to feel a measure of peace just embracing homosexuality, even had a relationship I was in for several months with another man. And But when I gave myself to that life, I became more miserable over time than I had anticipated. And But by this time, I was too afraid to take my own life because I didn't know what eternity would hold for me. So I just cut off this relationship I was in and decided I will go on to a Christian seminary and see if God will meet me there. But three days before I was to go to seminary, uh, a friend of mine called and said, Dennis, the Lord's been speaking to me about you. And that scared me quite badly because I didn't think the Lord spoke to me about me. So it scared me to death to think what he might be saying to this guy. Mm. And actually, he said, Dennis, the Lord came to me in a dream, and in this dream, God was giving you music, and people all over the world were singing your songs. And, you know, I'd written only maybe three or four songs to that point, and here's this man telling me these incredible things. And he said, Dennis, to confirm it to you, my mother had the same dream this week, and we don't think that's a coincidence. We've been talking about this. We, we want to invite you to move to Oklahoma City live with us, give God a chance to work this in your your life. So literally three days later, Neil, I'm living in Oklahoma City, and the only job I could find at the time was driving a school bus. But again, I can look back now and see that was the hand of the Lord because I had morning bus routes, afternoon bus routes, and hours in the day where I'm literally losing my mind because here's homosexual thought constantly bombarding me, and here's my friend constantly bombarding me with the word of the Lord every day. So I was feeling pulled in two opposite directions. And God's word is very clear in Hebrews. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that's exactly how I felt. I felt unstable. I felt like I was losing my mind. So I didn't know what else to do. But after my first bus routes were over, I had several hours in the day where I'd go to my friend's piano. I would open my Bible to Psalm 1 and begin just singing melodies, making up my own melodies Uh, from the Psalms, and that helped ease my mind and give me peace. And then there came a point where I began just writing down my own music during that period of time. I say all that to say it leads me up to that point on November 7th, 1981, when I went to that second chapter of Acts concert. Uh, The reason I remember the date is because I I was going to get there early enough to the concert venue with a tape recorder and three blank tapes because I could not afford their new record album. So I decided I would record my own. That that's illegal. It's called bootlegging. It is sin. Yes. <laughs> but God, God had mercy on me because I got to record my own moment of deliverance. And during the concert, the lead singer of the group, Annie Herring, uh, they had just sung a song called Mansion Builder, and the lyrics of the chorus simply go, "Why should I worry? Why should I fret? I've got a mansion builder who ain't through with me yet." And she stopped after singing that song, and she said, The Lord, the Holy Spirit has told me there is somebody here tonight who's gone through things they never thought they'd have to go through in in their life. 
She, he also wants me to tell you that there are things you have hidden in your heart that you wouldn't want anyone to know about, but he wants me to tell you that he sees those things you're hiding, and he loves you anyway. The reason that is significant is because when I was a 10-year-old boy, I was already a, a pianist at my church. I didn't know that the Lord loved me. I didn't believe he could love me. But as a 10-year-old boy, one Sunday morning before church, I was playing with my brothers and cousins on the church steps, and the men who taught me about God from the time I was a little boy, the men I respected most, uh, they began discussing what they thought of homosexuals. I didn't even know what to call myself until that moment, but that day I understood, oh, that is who I am. That is what I am. And after their conversation, my only conclusion was, they hate me. They just don't know it's me they hate. Therefore, God must hate me because they know God so well. So I say that because that brings me back to that moment at the concert where this lady is saying, you know, it doesn't matter what you're hiding. God wants to take it from you and put it on himself on the cross. See, I thought homosexual behavior, I thought homosexual sin was too vile for Jesus to take on the cross. At that moment, the reality sunk in. She said, we're going to make it like Christmas tonight. On Christmas, you give away things. So we want you to reach into the hidden places of your heart, take out the things you're most ashamed of, take out the things that are most wounding to you, take out the hurts, take out the failures, take out the sin, and by faith, give it away, place it on the shoulders of Jesus. But on Christmas morning, you don't just give gifts away, you receive gifts in return. So what do you need from the Father? All I knew I needed was to know he loved me beyond the shadow of a doubt. So during the course, they began singing another song, and I just began to do what she said. I gave Jesus my homosexuality. I placed it on his shoulders. And during that, the song, you can hear them singing and me sobbing because my heart is broken by the reality that he died for everyone, everyone. And during the course of those, those notes, they were singing, I just remember seeing myself crucified with Christ, seeing myself buried with him. And the next thing I knew in the course of that simple little song was that Jesus was standing at the head of my tomb, and he was saying, Dennis Jernigan, come forth. You leave the old you in the grave. He's dead now. You come forth, somebody brand new. And in that moment, I walked out of my homosexual identity into a brand new identity, a brand new incredible journey, I call it, because the, the temptation didn't stop right away. The the past failures I'd committed didn't just fade into you know non-relevance in my mind. Uh, it just began to occur to me that if I'm a new creation, which is what God's Word says to me, then all things are passed away. Then a good way to put it is this. Uh, people, my, the most asked question of my life, Neil, is this. Was your healing instant or has it been a process? And the answer is absolutely yes to both questions. In an instant, I was made a brand new creation. The process looked like Lazarus coming forth from the grave. Lazarus was called forth from the dead. He was fully alive in Christ in that moment, but he was not free yet. Dennis, let me ask you about the encounter with God. You were there yes. at a worship concert. Mm -hmm. uh, you are now a worship leader, and you yes. lead people in worship. Have you heard this story time and again that... People have had similar sorts of encounters in your own concerts and oh, where God has shed light on sexuality in your concerts? Definitely. I've heard literally from hundreds, if not thousands, through the years. In fact, I, I get them almost daily via email and Facebook and 
it's incredible to know that what God did for me, he is doing for others literally all over the world. It's, it's an incredible thing. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Australia's Vision Radio Network. It's Neil with you. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation. It's a two-stream style of conversation today talking to recording artist Dennis Jernigan who's released 40 to 50 albums, even had his songs recorded by the likes of Hillsong, his songs heard right around the world. And, of course, we're talking too about his own Christian testimony, a testimony that brought him to a place of freedom from homosexuality. The talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Dennis, as you look back over your long recording career now, and uh, we've been talking about uh, your uh, Christian worship music, uh, what are the biggest highlights that you can recall from your recording career? Honestly, I have several moments. One happened to be I visited an underground church in Istanbul, Turkey, a few years ago, and they were singing my song, You Are My All in All, in Turkish. And then uh, a few years ago as well, I was at uh, Garden Tomb in Jerusalem, and I heard people calling my name, Dennis, you've got to get up here. And there, were, there was a group from Argentina singing my song, We Will Worship the Lamb of Glory, in Spanish. And then during that same moment, somebody said, Dennis, get down here. There's a group from New York singing another one of your songs in this group. So just moments like that where I just never expected to hear one of my songs used, uh, and then to travel to a place like Brazil and show up to a worship conference and there are 25,000 people singing my song. That That is mind-blowing to me. So those are special moments that just are like the kiss of God on my life. Well, we want to play one of your songs uh, called Indescribable. Is there a story that goes along with this one? Yes. Back in the day when I first started my music career, um, I was told by powers that be in Nashville, Tennessee, music capital in the Christian world in those days, that Jernigan, one day you'll run out of ideas for music. You might as well get ready for it. And then I looked at them in the eye and I said this, the God I know is immeasurable. How can we ever run out of ideas or things to say about him? He's indescribable. So that's the, the story behind that song. Well, let's have a listen to Dennis Jernigan. This is the song Indescribable. How can one word describe something indescribable? How can one idea convey a thought beyond imagination? Step 
It's Dennis Jernigan, indescribable. Dennis Jernigan is our guest this hour. We're talking about not only his music, but also his testimony. And his testimony is that of freedom from homosexuality. We'll get into some of those issues in just a short while. Uh, Dennis, let me just ask you about the terminology that we're talking about today, ex-homosexual. There are people in the homosexual lobby that that really despise the idea that anybody could be ex-homosexual. How do you answer people when they say, once homosexual, always homosexual? Is there an easy answer? There's not necessarily an easy answer that they're going to like, but I felt like that's the way I was born for the longest time. And when I finally came to the conclusion that if God is God and he made me, then I'd better be finding out what he made me to be. So his word in that moment told me that I could be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And so I just began this incredible journey of doing that very thing, renewing my mind. In other words, after I became a new creation, um, my past didn't suddenly disappear from my memory. But here's the deal, Neil. My past failures do not define me. My present circumstances do not define me. The gay community does not define me. Even the things that tempt me do not define me. Jesus was tempted in every manner, just as we are, yet without sin. Temptation is not an identity. So I decided I would find my identity in the one who made me. In other words, when we have a a problem with our computer system, do we go down to the local car repair shop or the ice cream shop to fix it? No. We go directly to the manufacturer or to the manual. We have God's Word as our manual for living. And I have access directly to my Father by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's the long answer. Um, I, I can't make anyone like me. All I know is this is my story. And I'm not telling anyone they have to do anything, but this is my story. And I remember being a kid wishing somebody would tell me their story, tell me that hope was possible, that freedom was possible. I did not want to be gay. I do not consider myself a recovering homosexual at all. I do not consider myself uh, even, I know that the terminology is going to throw people off. I don't consider myself a recovering anything. I'm a signed, sealed, delivered new creation in Christ. And I happen to be consider myself heterosexual, by the way, uh, because I, I asked the Lord to help me transform the way I think about myself. So, in a nutshell, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Dennis, I'm sure there might be some who might uh, want to disagree. Uh, you have come across every objection uh, potentially <laughs> possible. Uh, you even like to talk about the science uh, things like gay genes and uh, difference in brains, uh, you know, the, the idea that uh, there is a big reaction to the idea that treatment is possible or therapy. Uh, people talk about these sorts of uh, ideas when they talk about homosexuals who change uh, from their original homosexual identity to a heterosexual one. Uh, these are big issues and uh, there are a lot of people who want to attack uh, because and, and certainly someone like you becomes something of a target. Very much so. I, I didn't go through any treatment whatsoever. I just sought Jesus. And as the more I discovered who he said, he, who God called himself, the more I discovered who he has called me to be. I've had people in the gay community for years tell me that I was never gay, that I made up the story to sell music. Well, I have something to say to that. Uh, Nashville, the Christian music companies told me things like this. Do you have to talk about your story? Because we don't know how to market you. So uh, if I'm going to make up a story, I'm going to make up one that's much more dramatic than mine. 
I've also been told through the years that I've been brainwashed. And I kind of have to agree with that because I have had my brain washed by the blood of Jesus Christ in the sense that it's restored my faith or actually renewed my faith and given me a whole new way of thinking about myself. Uh, so much water is crossed under the bridge of freedom. It's hard for me to believe I was ever homosexual. That's just the honest truth. Uh, and here's, here's the beauty of it. I said I didn't go through treatment, and that is true. I had somebody dare to love me like this, Neil. A friend of mine, in fact, the, the, the man that had the dream of, about my music, confronted me one day. He said, Dennis, I know what you struggle with, and it scared me so badly I actually ran away from him. But then I, in my running, I'm thinking to myself, where am I running to? I have no one else. He was my last friend. So I went back and faced him, and here's what he said to me, Dennis, I don't know how to help you. I just know I know the answer. And he had me so intrigued. I said, well, tell me, what is the answer? He said, well, the answer is Jesus. I said, well, I've heard that my whole life. How is this any different? Here's what he said to me, Neil. He said, Dennis, I believe Jesus is the answer so much. Here's what I'm willing to do. Let's just walk towards him together and discover the answers in the process. If you fall down, I will help you up every time if you'll let me. If you need a shoulder to cry on, I'm your guy. If you need someone to yell at when you just don't understand, I can handle it. In fact, I say this, but it's sort of true. I had to go outside the church to find somebody who would love me like Jesus. That man still walks with me to this day and has been faithful to help me up when I fall, to be that sounding board for me, to be that shoulder to cry on. And that's Again, that's a bigger message to me, to the body of Christ. We should be the first place hurting people should be able to turn regardless of what they struggle with. And to the gay community, you know, we live in a day and an age where on Facebook, when it comes to gender identification, there are, over, there are 58 different gender identifications listed on Facebook. That's incredible. Um I I don't have enough time of the day to be that many people, <laughs> and I just I just want people to out there to understand, and especially the body of Christ, that it is all about identity in Christ, and that's where we need to be leading people, just loving them like Jesus. Let Jesus be concerned about the outcome. Let Jesus be the one responsible to be their Savior. Let Jesus be the one to be the Redeemer. We just be His hands and feet those offering cups of cool, refreshing, living water to those who struggle around us. Uh, we need to be willing to, to get involved in the messiness of someone else's life, regardless of what that mess looks like or how deep it is, and just walk towards people with Jesus. That's what somebody did for me, and it, it has been life to me. Dennis, when we talk about identity, sometimes I hear the terminology identity confusion. And when you bring into the context of who we are as sexual beings the idea of a creator, then you have an objective point, don't you, to be able to say, well, if the creator made me, then I can align myself with the identity that he gives me. Is that, the, is that a simple way of saying uh, in some of the things that you've been talking about, uh, just bringing this clarity, you've been able to say, well, I don't need therapy. I didn't have a whole lot of scientific uh, or medical experiments done on me to, to make any change. I've just been able to keep my eyes on the creator. That's exactly what I'm saying. If we don't have a firm foundation from which to operate, we get swept around by every wind of doctrine, every form of belief. 
I chose to believe that God's Word is true, and I stand on His Word, and Jesus Christ is my solid rock. That's why I've been able to not be swayed since 1981. I just walked with my eyes fixed on Jesus. And here's the beauty of it, Neil. You know, when I was a kid, I was such an artistic child. I would get frustrated with my own creativity and not understanding how to deal with my own mentality. My parents would be ultra confused and frustrated with me. So at times I I would, out of frustration, just throw these incredible temper tantrums. And here's what my mother would say to me. Well, that's just your great-grandparents coming out in you. That's the Bristol coming out in you. They had fiery red hair. You come by it naturally. That's just the way you are. So I bought into that. Well, after the Lord set me free, you know, homosexuality was just such a minute part of what God wanted to deal with in my life. It was such a minute part. I find it incredible to believe people focus on that so much now, but that's the way it is. Uh, One of the first things he dealt with me on was my anger. He said, son, who told you you were an angry man? I said, well, that's just the way I am. It's the way I was born. No, I did not tell you that, son. That's like the... When Lazarus came forth from the grave, he was alive, but he wasn't free because Jesus said to those around Lazarus, loose from him the grave clothes. So with my anger, he said, son, that's part of the old identity. Identity. That's part of the you that was dead. Let's, let's rip that away. Now you're, see that hard peace I planted in you? Be that, son. Be that. I call you a man of peace. That's who I say you are, regardless of what you've experienced your whole life, regardless of your thought processes your whole life. That is the truth. That is the universal truth I want you to light on and be some. And that's, that's really what I've done with the homosexual thought and behavior. Whenever I would have those old thoughts, the Lord would say, son, who told you that's who you, who you are? Well, the world. <laughs> he said, but did I say that's who you are, son? Well, no, sir then be who I say you are. That sounds oversimplistic, but that's honestly what I've done. In fact, I got so, so to rock bottom, ground zero in that respect, when the Lord first gave me my brand new identity, I would say, Father, today, would you show me what clothes to wear? That's how much I want to know you. Father, would you show me... uh, where to go and what to do today, and I, I just want to be with you. In fact, Neil, I was so adamant in learning how to hear the voice of the Lord that from 1981 until 1993, I stopped listening to all secular music, all watching television, going to movies, and not that I'm some holier-than-thou person. I just was convinced I was being bombarded by so many different voices wanting to tell me who I was. I needed to shut out every other voice. So for 12 years, I just went on this incredible journey of discovering, you know, learning how to hear the voice of my God. And I did it in simple ways like that. Lord, what do you want me to listen to? What do you want me to read? What do you want me to eat? What do you want me to wear? Because I'm your son. I want to be like you. I want to be about your business. So that's, that's in a nutshell, what I did. Dennis, there's a strong homosexual lobby uh, here in Australia, as there is in the United States. In a number of mm-hmm. states in the, in the U.S., uh, there is legislated uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, that's not the case here in Australia. Uh, some people think that it's a foregone conclusion. Of course, uh, of course, as I say, the homosexual lobby has a very big voice, much bigger than the actual population of people who are uh, identifying as homosexual. Uh, but the uh, 
the homosexual lobby and, of course, the media try to paint homosexuality as the new normal. But actually, there are still very few people who are homosexual compared to the general populace. That's right. In fact, actual statistics in the United States is about 1.8% of the population identifies as exclusively homosexual. That's a far cry from what you hear on the, the news when you hear the old uh, statistics from the old Kinsey reports that say 10% of our population is homosexual. Well, that's just not based on adequate science. In fact, on my website, DennisJernigan.com, there is a button that says need help. And you can go there and read an article I wrote called No One is Born Gay. And it's got a lot of the scientific information that people would would probably be benefited by included in that article. So uh, it, in America... We, you know, we used to say we're on a slippery slope in this area. I disagree. I think we're, we left a slippery slope a long time ago. We're in a, an ad, absolute free fall. Um, we've lost our anchor. We've just lost our way. Because what's next? I think not only are other forms of marriage going to take place in America, but traditional marriage is just people are going to throw their hands up and say, why bother? That's honestly what I think is coming next for America, not just three people getting married or not just five people getting married, uh, but just people in general saying, why bother? That's, that's the danger I see coming. Dennis, as outspoken as you are, you've become a real target for the homosexual lobby. How do you handle the criticisms, uh, the persecution, uh, having told your story the way you have? I honestly just don't listen I mean, that sounds incredible, but, and I've had to come to the conclusion that whether I live or whether I die, I'm the Lord's. To be absent from my body is to be present with Christ. And I will continue to share with my last breath because, again, I remember being a young boy wishing somebody would tell me a story like this because that would have given me hope. Because I, I'll just be very bluntly honest with you. I was miserable in my homosexual life. I'm not speaking for everybody who's in homosexuality. I'm speaking for me. I've, I felt there came a point where I was absolutely, utterly self-focused. So self-focused, I couldn't see Jesus if he was looking me eye in the, in, square in the eye. Because it was all about me, 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 me. And that's, that's where I'd gotten to in the homosexual life self-focused, self-centered, self-concerned, ultra-self-aware, when Jesus was wanting me all for himself the, the whole time. And he wanted so much more for me than just a homosexual existence. And I don't mean that to inflame or incite anybody's anger. That's just my version or my, my opinion of where God had me and what he took me out of. Our talkback line is 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Rosemary in Melbourne. Hello, Rosemary. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, thank you, Neil. Rosemary, what are your thoughts on what Dennis is sharing today? Um, firstly, I'm very thankful to God that he's put Dennis on the radio today. Uh, I came across Dennis's music on cassette tape through Word Bookstore in Melbourne back in around about 1990. Wow. And I used to listen to his cassette tapes uh, an awful lot at that time and some other cassette tapes. You'll be very pleased, Rosemary, to be able to meet (laughs) Dennis uh, over the telephone. (laughs) Hello, Rosemary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, all part of my journey as God was moving me ahead quite strongly at that point in my life. And, uh, yeah, 
Um, the thing for me is if nobody tells you that God loves everybody, um, if you come to understand there's something in your life that you don't like, for my, my journey, you just look, look around you for where you can see God in something and you just never stop doing that. And gradually he gives you more and more and more and more and more and more. more. And especially for me, uh, myself, and I think a lot of people, God starts speaking to them a lot through Christian music. And as you listen to it more and more, you understand more and more things. And of course, there's uh, scripture verses from the Bible in Christian music, which sometimes is easier for people than reading the Bible in the beginning. Yeah. It is a powerful medium. Uh, your thoughts on what Rosemary is sharing, Dennis? Well, I just think, you know what, and this will answer your previous question as well, Neil. When it comes to people, uh, people are not my enemy. Homosexuals, the homosexual community, the gay community is not my enemy. The enemy of God is my enemy. I am for people. I want people to be as free as possible in this life, regardless of what their temptations are. And uh, it just so happens... uh, that God uses music, it, like you said, it is such a powerful medium. When I didn't have anything else to hang on to, I had one particular song by that band, Second Chapter Vax, and it had this one simple phrase in it, He took away my sin and shame. He took away my sin and shame. He loves me. Hallelujah. And for over four years, I played that song over and over again and again in the middle of my struggle, thinking if God can do that for that lady that's singing that song, then maybe he can do that for me. So I wholeheartedly agree with Rosemary. Rosemary from Melbourne, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Dennis Jernigan, our guest, Christian recording artist and has an incredible testimony, ex-homosexual. And uh, these days, Dennis married to a woman with nine children and the testimony goes over decades. Uh, Dennis, this is a a long-range testimony and so as you look back over the years, uh, there must be some things that you know now that you didn't know back then when you were set free from the homosexual lifestyle, what is it that you know now that you can shed wisdom for people who are thinking through these issues and even troubled by these issues? Well, first of all, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I used to make things so complicated. Uh, and for instance, when I was a young man and trying to get to know God, I would perform for people's approval, perform for God's acceptance and affirmation. When I had it all already, I had it all along. God's very nature is love. Uh, another thing that I've learned that, in, that I need to simplify my life is just when things get into such an uproar spiritually or physically or emotionally or people bombarding me with the, you know, just harsh words or whatever, I can come back quickly to it's all about relationship. And the way I, I walk in relationship is first with my God. I love my God. I love my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Everybody that I come in contact with. And how do I love my neighbor? As I love myself. How do I love myself? I call myself what my father calls me. In fact, one of the Dennis Jernigan's personal rules to Dennis Jernigan from my father, and this is a good rule. It's not me having to jump through hoops to please him whatsoever. It's just for me. 
Dennis Jernigan does not get to call himself something his father does not call him. So when I would get, for instance, when I get frustrated with myself and I'll say, you stupid idiot, (laughs) the Holy Spirit simply says, son, that is not who I say you are. Stop saying that about yourself. I don't make, I don't make stupid idiots. (laughs) You're my son. That, that just levels out everything for me. It really does. And the best advice I ever got, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but the best advice I ever got from anybody was don't seek a ministry. Seek Jesus, because when you seek Jesus, people will knock down your door to get what you have. And that's honestly what I found. I've just sought Jesus through the years. I never relied on the sale of my music to to provide for me. I've never relied on other people to provide for me. I've, I've relied on the Lord and his strength and his provision. I just seek Jesus. And what comes my way is always glorious because his word says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. My biggest desire is to know God. (laughs) We are taking calls. Katie from Carniva is on the line. Hello, Katie. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, how are you? Very good, Katie. You you need to be fairly quick. Uh, Katie, what's your story? Um, Yeah, I wasn't actually homosexual, but I was a prostitute and I was bisexual. And I've had a lot of friends that have been homosexual and people in the family and things like that, so I sort of grew up with it and thought it was normal. Um, And, yeah, I just thought the world revolved around me and I could do whatever I wanted. Um, But I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I've got four children. I've been through a lot of stuff, but I'm actually engaged at the moment to a really strong Christian man who came from the complete opposite upbringing of me. Um, And, yeah, everyone has baggage, like... Even people who seem to have had the perfect life or, um, you know, and I, I'm struggling with that identity. I've been a Christian for 20 years and the devil and even people in the church keep saying, you're not good enough. You know, you'll never be good enough. We're and all I, on a I'm journey. Really, We're all on a journey, I'm aren't we? Yeah. Uh, Katie, let's get some thoughts. Dennis, very quickly too, uh, what are your thoughts on what Katie's sharing? Well, Honestly, the the awesome thing about our God is that he does not waste anything. Even our worst failures, even our worst mess-ups, he wants to give those wants us to give those to him. They're like the ashes of our lives and he in turn turns around and makes something beautiful out of them. In fact, my greatest fear was to tell somebody back in like 1988, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to tell your story. My greatest fear was I'll be ruined, I'll be rejected, I'll be humiliated. The opposite has been true. People have come out of the woodwork thanking me for doing that very thing. The very thing I was most ashamed of, he has me blab about, if you will. And he gets glory, and I get blessed in the process. So God, our God wastes nothing. That's awesome. Katie, I want to thank you so much for your story and for sharing those things today with us here on 2020. Running short of time, just want to come back to some important points, Dennis, before the news. Uh, there is a battle that's going on in the mind. And uh, s- some would say, you know, uh, there's differences over whether uh, homosexuality is a mental disorder. And I don't think people tend to want to refer to it as that. But there is a battle that's going on and is in the mind. Well, the, the battleground for every person who will ever exist, ever has existed, is the mind. It's not my body. 
My mind is the battleground, and God's Word is very clear. We can take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, and we can have our minds transformed by the renewing of our mind, and that comes by the Word of God. That's, that's honestly how I've lived my life to this point, and I don't plan on changing it. But yes, the, the mind is the battleground. Dennis, just leading up to the news now, you're in Australia until early April and you've got some appearances that you're making. One of those appearances is in Canberra this Saturday night. You're going to be speaking and singing at the Capital Bible Church in Hawker and uh, people need to go to the Capital Bible Church in Hawker if you're listening around the Canberra area. Uh, Also in Melbourne on the 29th of March, you're going to be uh, singing and also sharing your testimony at the Kingston City Church there in uh, in Clarinda, and so people can uh, link uh, with what you're doing there uh, through the Kingston City Church website. Uh, you also did mention DennisJernigan.com, and uh, there's a lot of things you've written about there, Dennis, uh, that yeah. I'm sure that people who things think that the things we've been talking about are controversial would like to read some of the things that you've said because they're very insightful and very, very powerful, and particularly mixed with your own testimony. Dennis Jernigan, uh, recording artist, And uh, what an amazing testimony. Dennis, great talking to you. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. It's been my honour. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.